Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Another dueling questions with Cage Lawyer. Again, not his real name, but this is the second group. We actually did this in one sitting, but I had a good break point at approximately 15 minutes. He can go long form, that's for sure. And I can too, but I'm choosing in this podcast to limit to 15 minutes. So hope you don't mind a second helping of Cage. I enjoyed the time. He's a prolific podcaster in his own right. So I've enjoyed listening to his episodes. Thanks, sponsors, Upper Deck, Panini, Tops. Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So thanks, Cage, and thanks, listeners. Here it is. We talked about favorite cards. We talked about your favorite magazines. Your show, your thousand episodes almost. Was there one show that stands head and shoulders above all else? And then someone you haven't had on yet that is like, wow, I really would love to talk cards with this person. I enjoy doing thematic episodes. and I want to talk about things that maybe aren't being talked about. From my position in the hobby, which is one of being around a long time, and I really enjoy the listener question episodes because they're more spontaneous, the dueling questions. But the ones that grab me a little bit more, I think, are the tributes to hobbyists and people I knew that have passed away. And also, I've done my parents. I've done a bunch of fathers and sons. It's still got to be sports card insights, but I think those are more unique. And since I don't really have anybody to answer to, I can do what I want to do. My podcast is very non-linear. It jumps around. I'm going to do some vintage. I'm going to do some brand new. I'm going to talk about shows or LCS or industry, what's going on now, what happened 50 years ago. So bouncing around is my prerogative. It's my show. And that's been the thing. I should say this, Cage, you were on my list and you percolated to the top, yes. but the new list <laughs> redrawn and somebody else will percolate to that top. But there's a bunch of people I still want to have that for whatever reason, I just haven't done it yet, but I'm glad we're doing this. And right now you are the most important person in the hobby for me. Okay. Nice. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Your turn. There are not many, if any people as uniquely situated in this hobby to answer this question. You've been around for a long time. I know I'm not calling you old. We just went through a crazy time in the hobby, a boom and bust cycle, I'm going to call it. We might still be in that bust. We saw a crazy rise in sports card prices and now a drop. And some cards are below where they were pre-COVID. There are people out there who say, this is something we've never seen before and we'll never see again. You've been through other boom and bust cycles in the hobby, called the junk wax era, called the expansion of different manufacturers in the 80s into the early 90s, the changing of the cards. Do you see similarities? And if so, what do you tell the people listening to this who might be in their first cycle, who might have just come into cards in 18, 19, 20, 21, and they're seeing this kind of cycle play out for the first time? Is there any kind of lesson that you can give them from going through these cycles before? If you expect that sports cards are going to be a mixed market, that a lot of things are going to stay the same. In fact, most cards stay the same over some shorter period of time. And uh, some percentage, a, a bigger percentage go up historically than go down in a given month, the monthly cycle when we had the monthly price guides. But the sky is not falling. The sun's going to come up. The earth's going to rotate. There's going to be ups and downs. You mentioned the magazines. If there had not been up arrows and down arrows, if there'd been no down arrows, I'd have no credibility because I really wouldn't be reporting what was really going on there. And it's not realistic to think things are going to go up. And so it's healthy to have a dynamic element that some things are going up and some things are going down, hopefully more going up than going down. But 
what happened is the irrational exuberance of thinking, here's the comp, this guy is a goat. The last sale was $3,000. I'm going to pay $4,000 without regard to, does that make sense? Or the premium for a 10 over a nine being a thousand percent. And in some very rare circumstances, severe condition rarity, perhaps. People say, hey, there's only this many PSA 10 Jordan rookies. And surely more than that number of people want one. No, they don't want them at $700,000. I'm not sure they want them at 100000 but they want them. And five years ago, they should have bought them because they were you know, 20000 or something like that. There's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. But if you have followed the hobby as I have, there's going to be ups and downs. And if you think it's a good deal <laughs> and you have some historical reference, that it's not just a high demand card, but there's some supply constraint and you're going to enjoy having it, then buy and hold. But the flipping thing is really dicey now. I don't want to get rid of the flippers. I think flippers are an important part of the ecosystem. One of my next episodes I'm going to do is about predictive pricing. And the predictive pricing that I do when I buy out of a dollar box is when I get done sitting down, I pulled out a hundred cards the gamble I'm making is whether I'm going to do pretty good or really good. I'm not going to do bad. The gamble with buying high price cards or high price boxes is I really very real chance I might lose. And I might win a lot and the expected value may be positive, but nobody wants to really calculate that. But when I'm buying cards that I want for prices that I want to pay right now, but Cage, that requires me buying things that are not currently being chased. Once it's being talked about, talked up, and vigorously chased, it just drives up the price. And the lesson is it drives up the price until it can't go any higher, and then it has to go down. So in the pyramids, don't be the last guy in. Yep. There's so many ways to make money. I was a get-rich-slow guy. I don't want to get rich fast. That implies you're taking advantage of somebody. I want everybody to be knowledgeable, have a level playing field and then collect what you like. I didn't even know what next month's prices are. No one knows. No one really knows. If you're buying something a lot cheaper, what it has been selling for, even that's not a sure thing. You're getting a good deal on something because a dealer has a liquidity issue. That's what I would do. I don't think there are that many opportunistic buyers, which is what I always try. The historical perspective part of it is the key not just something that sells for less than it sold the last one time it sold, something with some historical value, something with a track record. You're not the first guy that looked at Tim Duncan or people like that and said, you know what? This guy ought to be worth a lot more. I think he's going to get his due. The problem is eventually you'll be right, Cage, because he was It's just, will you hold on long enough? But can you hang on long enough? All those guys that are just that second tier of excitement. You know what the problem is with a Duncan and what I've come to, he might be great 10 years from now, the Wembenyama thing might change it, but his cards did go up. They did, like everything else. There was a rising tide that already did bring those cards up. And the tough part is that when you compare it to a Kobe, right, which is always the comparison, there are just more people who want Kobe for a myriad of reasons than want Tim Duncan. It always comes back down to supply and demand. It's not based on stats. It's not based on championships. And people would pay money to see Tim Duncan. I think more people were were eyeballs on Kobe and he had more drama and all that stuff. So I get that. Anyway, Tim Duncan would be a solid play. But as a speculative, it it takes a while. I think the laws of economics are not mocked in this industry. 
but they do go on hiatus <laughs> for a while. They do. And we don't know when they're going to come back in, but eventually supply and demand will out. I think anybody under the age of 25 and in the hobby, let's call it this new blood of the hobby, they look at a card and they know it's a 10 because it's got a 10 on the slab. It says it's a 10. Oh, look at that. It's a PSA 10. It's like grading for dummies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Okay, everybody, 10. Tell me how a 9.5 is a 10. <laughs> you wanted me to laugh, right? <laughs> I did an episode about that in defense of a BGS 9.5, which is really gem mint card. Okay, but it's not a 10. Okay, and I did that episode before the Mint Collective and the announcement. They didn't ask me about that, the old regime. Immediately after that happened, I did an exhaustive two-page summary of what I would do if I were in charge based on my experience and the way I understand the hobby. I actually met with Canal, but he's not there anymore. I've submitted it to Kevin and Jeremy and Bill and Dave and the guys. I know exactly what I would do to resolve the confusion and what I think is some friction as well. There's some uncertainty about BGS, what they're going to do, and I think they need to clear the air sooner. I had an approach I would use. I'm not going to give it here because I'm hoping they'll do it, but I'm not the boss anymore, Cage. If they want to do something different, the problem is that anytime when you're the CEO, one of the big questions you have is who are you going to trust? Yep. And, you know, I was in the industry long enough that I know who I could trust. And I think some of the leadership there did not know who to trust. And some people that were trustworthy, they weren't listening to. And then some people that had some fresh ideas, they listened to that. And so it wasn't workable. I'm hoping that they'll huddle up and they've gotten a lot of input. The problem is the input is all over the place of the surveys and input that they wanted. But I'm one guy, but it, my name is the name of the brand. <laughs> and I just said, here's what I would do. And it was very explicit. Here's how I would price it. Here's how I would label it. Here are the changes I would make. Here's what I would leave the same. It's it's not a simple issue because there's right points on both sides of the issue. I think they're in the best position ever. I think whatever they decide, they roll it out the national. And if it sucks, they can just roll it back. That, that's the Beckett way right now. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> that's not fair. But the I wasn't a rollback guy. I didn't do a lot of surveying formally. But informally, we tried to know what was going on and what people would like. And so a lot of the original tenets of BGS were our brain trust and me figuring out this is what we need to do. We're not going to be a copycat to PSA. We're going to bring some innovation to it. And a lot of those innovations have now fallen by the wayside because, frankly, they cost more money. And they require a knowledgeable hobbyist who, who gets it. And so I just don't want to dumb down something. I want to, I always stand for an educated hobbyist is going to be a long-term hobbyist. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be in and out. I don't want to 10X the hobby with fanatics by having a bunch of newbies, a sliding door where they're in and out. I want to have 10 times as many enduring collectors. And I think BGS will get more than their share as people figure out that this is a chance to get a black 10. This is a chance to get a pristine. This is a chance to get a report card. Yep. I could go on and on. I'm not going to because I need to wait and see what they decide. But like I say, I've made my voice heard within the building and we'll see. I hope they listen. If they don't, I'm going to come back in a couple months with four or five people, maybe some sponsor your show. We're going to buy the company back. They won't <laughs> even have to change the name. 
Yeah. Okay, Cage. That's a good one to end on. We'll see how much of a litigator or negotiator you really are. I am fully retired. Uh -oh. I'm just a lowly podcaster now. Yeah, three days a week, and you don't think it's enough. Retired. Fair enough. <laughs> Listen, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good deal. Okay, thanks, Cage. My final statement on this is a PSA 10 is not unimprovable. Yep. A BGS 9.5 is not unimprovable. A black label 10 is supposed to be unimprovable. Correct. So when I'm getting these three tens and a 9.5, it means the edges or the surface or the centering is improvable. Yep. And so I respect that, but it requires somebody that's really more logical and emotional because the emotional aspect is I'm going to resubmit it. Surface 9.5, LeBron refractor. Okay. But did you wipe it? I bought it like this. Okay. That's the thing. I'd love to go ahead and wipe it. I'm sure it wasn't wiped when it got created. This is I, old... I, I never prepped my cards. And then Me I neither. thought, why aren't they prepping my cards? I, exactly. It's on the thing. And they said, well, that's not what we do. It's yeah, stupid. There was like a little, no, it's convention. It's what's done. And if anybody did it, there'd be a backlash against it. But we're not going to resolve that because we're not, I don't know, you could threaten them maybe. Listen, Bring them I up. told them in the month leading up to Mint, that they were making a huge mistake rolling out anything, anything. It's coming from a different industry than these kind of things or these dramatic announcements. In our industry, you don't want a dramatic announcement. Correct. You want an announcement that says, hey, oh, I get that. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. Instead of breaking some new story of a new thing. They're doing that. it just to do something. Well, to yeah, it's... And unfortunately, Jim, listen, the, right thing. Yeah. the grading scale that they're doing now may be great in a year or two. After we flushed out a lot of the dummies. Here's the thing. You're 100% right. A PSA 10 can be improved upon. But the people who are paying the money for it don't care. Don't care. Tens of 10. It's good enough. It's good enough. But then there's a subset of people that want a black 10. Yeah, so do I. I'd love a black 10, but I don't have one. Because you know what? I paid so much for this card. I needed to go to black for me to break even on it again. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's another problem. <laughs> this was great. The man